good morning, everybody. Welcome to Daybreak. I am your host, Mark Coxon, and I'm here with your co-host. Not co-host. You're you're equally you're equal, all but different equal. host. You're, you're all parts <laughs> equal host. Jared Hillman, how are you this morning, Jared? Doing good. Midweek. Hey, I'm uh, you know, I'm sitting in my house, and it's I had to put on a, a longer sleeve shirt. It's a it's a it's a chilly 68 inside the house this morning. It's a brisk 68, is it? <laughs> it's it's a very brisk 68 <laughs> degrees in my home. You can't wear a long sleeve inside, man. That's, <laughs> uh, that's 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 nice. I was just commenting this morning because my my wife and I were walking into work, and then she's like, she's like, it's weird. There's not really that much snow because you can actually see like the parking lot, you can see the, the ground. And I was like, yeah, it's nice. This is a nice winter, but it's still probably, I don't know, it's minus, today is actually not so bad. It's minus five Celsius. So, wow. Do your, do your math. Do yeah. Your, do you know what I was thinking about the other day about, about temperature too, by the way, is we were teaching my son about dog years. Okay. And I was thinking to myself, isn't it crazy that we have a very accurate formula on how to convert the age of a dog into human relevance age, but we can't convert Fahrenheit to Celsius easily. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? There's a formula to figure out, an easier formula to figure out how old the dog is. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? Like, yeah, you have to do the, you have to minus 32 and then, you know, Add double or it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Turn around four times and that's so funny. Yeah. So, hey, how was your uh, last last week? We talked about your kickoff meeting for the year. Yeah. You had yourself. How did that go? I, I think it went well. It went pretty well. I mean, it was it was well received. We had some we had some fun opening the. Uh, I sent everyone a box, like I said. So, yep. for those who didn't listen last week, you can go back and listen. But you know, um, I did a sales kickoff meeting with a sales team and. Uh, you know, we had three main things I thought were going to be the key to our success. And so I, I, uh, accumulated, you know, three different physical items that I wanted to send to the team and put those in a box and we kind of unboxed them together, talked through the significance of them. Um, all items that they can use actually in their house or in their daily life, which was, which is helpful too, right? Not just tchotchkes that get thrown in the garbage. Um, so we went through all that and, um, it was fun, you know, it was fun to kind of get people to, uh, to uh, see the relevance of, of some of the items in the, in the box and, and go through that. So, no, I think it went well, you know, it's, so here's a, here's something interesting. I always think about, you know, visioning and goal setting, et cetera, is, you know, you're dealing with, you're dealing with the psychology and personal experience of each individual person. So, you know, as a manager, as a business owner, like you are, Jared, you know, we have these great ideas about, you know, what we want to do. Um, in the upcoming upcoming year, we think we know what those keys to success are, yep. and then we we try to connect the dots to those and and in the team, and so there's always that contingent of um, you know that that part of it where like how do we keep the meeting in a blue sky and opportunity phase, as opposed right. to devolving into a you know why. I like what you just said. This is a really cool thing that you just sent me. I'm still not sure that we're going to be able to accomplish that in the upcoming, you know, year. Yep. So, you know, you get in that mode where, okay, how do we keep this in blue sky optimism mode um, and tackle the reality of 
what's going to stand in the way of those goals over time as opposed to but not let it creep into this specific event right yep so, so and, uh i did a lot of i did a lot of steering to make sure that we stayed away from you know what some of the practical hurdles were going to be because i we all know they exist and keep it more in a uh in a team building kind of positive direction meeting and then we'll tackle you know hurdles as they come up i like it have yeah, you do you do you do you have that same thing you know, like you, how do you is it is it a challenge to keep those on well, track sometimes so the structure of ours right the structure of our annual two reviews the last year right it kind of just mm -hmm. goes over okay here's the goals that we set last year yep. and we do this as a company right so it's still only i mean even at that size it you know it's um it's uh, yeah 11 or 12 people okay um and uh anyway so we review the goals of the company and then you know then then and and that's where you get caught up in, in it i think is because if you had a like last year you know was an obvious strange year and and it's not necessarily the goals we set weren't achieved but they ended up having to kind of change you kind of had to pivot a little bit or maybe accept a little bit less of a goal or a different goal and so but you still have to mark them as you know incomplete yeah you know our goals are a pass or a fail when we review them you either you either achieved them or you didn't um we try to you know we try to use the the smart theory of goaling right when you smart a goal you know specific measurable attainable relevant timely and so it's very easy to determine whether or not your goals were actually met um but you're right so when you're going through and say out of you know eight huge company goals you only achieve you know three it it can start bogging that conversation down and so um so so what i did is i i just i always talk about how you know you don't you don't um yet you have to take advantage of the opportunity to learn from what went wrong right so if you don't take the time to actually reflect on those goals if you don't take that time to to look back and go okay what why didn't we achieve it and and you don't do it with a negative mindset you just do it with a with an open with an open mind and okay why didn't why did we not why did we not achieve that goal what was the, what was the obstacle okay how are we going to defeat that this year you know if this happens so that's what i do i i try to just i'm i'm very big on um i've i've never have you ever heard the uh what's the saying I, i've never been wrong i've only ever been right and and then there's times i've learned yeah yeah yeah. Uh -huh. yeah yeah i've heard that I, I like that a lot i mean i like the idea of of you know accountability first like you said you don't want to dodge the fact or, or sugarcoat the fact yeah. that you didn't you didn't attain didn't something it. that you wanted to wanted to attain right. um but i think part of what you said is important too is that last year there was a world changing event and they don't happen all the time yeah um you know there was something that changed the nature of the world and the environment you set the goals in was no longer the environment that you were operating in. And That's so right. I do, I do think there is, there is some, um, you know, merit to acknowledging that. And if you're going to have, if you're really saying that your goals are smart goals, that they are attainable being one of those goals, you know, the a in smart, um, yeah. that you have to, uh, I guess, you know, uh, restate the goal partway through the year at that point, right? Like if, if our goal was to grow 40% and everybody's shrinking 30% because of what happened, 
you know, maybe our new goal is break even and, yeah. and hopefully we can make that right. So I think there's a, I think there's merit to doing that. And I don't think that's a cop out saying, well, we set the goal too high. I don't want to be accountable for missing it. So we're going to readjust the goal halfway through the year. I think there are certain situations where you have to do that. Well, um, in that, in that same conversation is, is that your team who should be, you know, experts in their field, when, whenever anyone tries to change a goal, you should be challenging it, right? And so if you're challenging it legitimate, legitimately enough, you, you should all agree, come to an understanding that you're right. This is a world-changing event. There is nothing we could have done about it, but there are things we can do about it, you know? And um, that's, the one, that's, that's the one thing that we learned about last year is that we, even though we did okay and, and we're still here and, you know, we're, we're, we did fine last year, um, we're one of the fortunate ones, uh, we, we realized that we didn't, um, we didn't change enough to adjust yeah. to the new world, you know, and that was one of the things that was where we kind of made our mistake is we just kept trucking along um, business as usual, you know, aside from <laughs> the, the, the few inconveniences that restrictions and lockdowns have. Yep. But um, we, we didn't, and I'm going to air quote this, we didn't take advantage enough of the change that was in front of us to, to come out stronger than we did, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I saw, I saw a great quote one time, I think on Twitter and it wasn't, it wasn't a quote, like a, a quote that was highly circulated. It was just some guy who had, who had tweeted and it said, you know, um, our lack of vision is their business plan. And that always yeah. kind of stuck with me, right? Like the, the, the corner that we're not seeing around, that's the, yeah. that's the angle that somebody's using to take our market share or to take our customers. I like that. And, and uh, I really, yeah, it, it resonated with me because it, it makes you think, okay, it, am I ignoring a scenario or am I ignoring an opportunity um, based on history or some bias that I have that yeah. everyone else is, sees or that, you know, somebody's going to see and, and use it to displace me. I also talked to an entrepreneur once and I think, uh, I think I mentioned it on the show a while back, but I'll say it again. We, we participate in the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur yep. of, the year, of the Year Awards out here. Um, we sponsor them. And as sponsors, we get to meet some of these um, business owners and entrepreneurs and, uh, and ask them some questions with the Ernst & Young folks as a panel sure. for the judging process. And, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen I talked to uh, this year, he ran a, a health, a health uh, kind of like healthcare software company is what he does. Okay. And, and uh, man, they're, they're all over the place. They're, they're all over the world. So they, when COVID struck, they had all sorts of, you know, problems. And in fact, in India, where one of their, their largest contingents is, they had a strict lockdown where nobody could go anywhere. And they actually had to have like the National Guard of India deliver laptops to the employees because they weren't allowed to leave their homes. Um, so, you know, talk about, talk about lockdown. We complain about lockdown here because we can't go eat restaurants. I mean, imagine you can't even, you know, go get, items you need to do work in your house unless somebody delivers it to your door. Um, it was pretty interesting, but you know, his, his philosophy was, was very similar in that he said, you know, um, I'm sure that somebody's going to put me out of business in the next two years. And I just have to make sure it's me. And yeah, I've heard, you know, I, 
Yeah. You know, just that whole idea of like, I need to be the one that kills and disrupts my own business model to create the new so that whatever's coming down the pipe, I'm the one who's leading the charge on that. And it, it's just that it's the very interesting philosophy. I know Peter Drucker, management writer, you know, wrote a whole bunch of stuff on this over time about, you know, um, companies have these sacred cows. They have these things that got them to where they're at and they don't want to get rid of them. You know, they treat them as, as these holy objects or these holy pieces of business that they can't change. You know, and his, his quote on that was uh, sacred, sacred cows make the best, make the best burgers. You know, like <laughs> at some point you have to devour that and make room for what's coming and not, you know, kind of worship at the altar of yesterday, that whole thing. I just, I just packed about 18 cliches and quotes into a, into a two minute stand. So I'm going to shut up for a second, but no, no, that's okay. It's, uh, it's why I'm, it's, it's why I've become comfortable with never being comfortable. Like yeah. I used to think, um, I used to think for myself that, you know, I, you know, the old, uh, and other, others think that I have, you know, maybe ADHD or that I'm always onto the new shiny thing. And, and, and that does happen, but for the most part, the way that, the way that my mind works. And I think the way that most, you know, visionaries and entrepreneurs and their minds work is it's never good enough ever. And it shouldn't ever be, you know, it, 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 it whatever you're doing, whatever service or product you're offering, it'll reach a point where, hey, it's the best. It really is the best in the business, but it's still not good enough. And it could be done differently. And there's a way we can make it better, always. Yeah. And, and, and it's that drive, right? It's, it, so I'm happy, I'm happy I have that because there are no sacred cows here at Hillman. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, uh, what, uh, what are you, uh, what are you up to this week then? What do you have going on this week? Uh, we're, we're trying to close deals this week, right? I mean, it's, it's January. Um, it's, you know, the first week is always kind of hard to navigate who's back, who's working on things. Have people gotten back from break <laughs> yeah. or vacation or things yeah. like that? Um, you know, we started on the, our week started on the fourth already. So it feels like you lose the first four days of the month um, as yeah. a business. And you know, when you talk about measurable and attainable and all those things, um, you know, we talk about big picture versus, versus, you know, the, the KPIs and the actual tracking of the numbers. I mean, yep. at the end of the day, you know, we have to be, we have to be putting dollars on the board every single day to meet a goal. And so, you know, with that kind of slow start to a month and trying to figure out things that are, that are happening, you know, how do we, how do we jumpstart that? So, you know, my, uh, my work on the last week has been just making sure everybody knows we're back and working right now, you know, like yeah, our, custom, you, our customers you, know we're back in the office and I'm ready to go. Do you prospect at your level? Are you, do you still go out and, and prospect and meet with customers or do you only get involved when a, when a team, team member brings you in? So I do a lot of both, honestly. So, you know, in, in our business, um, I have, I have three like I said, I have three very unique salespeople on my team. It's a very small team, you know, but I have three very unique salespeople that all have different skill sets. Um, you know, one gentleman has been in our industry as long as I have, you know, a couple decades, um, yeah. has relationships, uh, has the ability to be a, you know, a sales engineer, a salesperson, a project manager, you know, he's, he's a five tool player, you know, if you will. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't really need me a lot. Honestly, like as a manager, I mean, really my, 
my best value to him is is blocking and tackling, making sure I'm getting him resources. Every once in a while, he may ask me for some advice if he's tackling a custom project about what I've seen in the past or et cetera. Sure. And so we really, we really interact. Well, I'll say I interact with everybody on my team more as a peer than as a, a manager anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, we really just interact as, as knowledge sharing and peers and, and I go out and do the stuff that, you know, is stopping him from being able to sell. Um, but uh, uh, with some of my other people on my team, yeah, I do a lot of, I do a lot of shadowing or they'll ask me to come to meetings, you know, if they have a big client or they have a, a tricky project or something like that, they'll want me at the table early um, just to kind of help instill some confidence and show that we have the tools to, to get things done. Sure. And so I do a lot of that. And then on the prospecting side, um, for me, um, I deal with some, if it's a very high profile client, and it really is more business development work, meaning there isn't a project yet, yep. nor is there one in the immediate future that we know about, but Just we know that- foster that relationship. Yep, so that when those projects arise, um, yeah. and then if something gets comes up, I may walk that down the line just to qualify it. And then once the time comes that we actually need to start producing bills of materials, quotes, et cetera, then I'll get one of my team members involved in fulfilling that. Um, but I do a lot of the architect reach out. So um, I've been talking to architects sure. and, and consultants and folks like that. So I do a lot of that type of um, sales work. So I guess probably at the, at the bigger level. And I, for me, on, honestly, too, I have to, for me to be, to keep my sanity, you and I both work in a technology field. This podcast isn't specifically technology anymore, but you and I both work in technology fields. Yeah. For me to, um, for me to be happy, I guess every single day, I need twenty percent of my time to be in that kind of creative uh, mode, and so for me, working with the architects and consultants actually helps that because we're doing a lot more of uh, the higher level aerial view, and yeah. not getting down into the guts of the technical execution. Um, which yeah. I can do, but if I lived there, I would, I would be hurt. If you put me in in front of a computer to do CAD all day um, or line diagrams, uh, I could last about an hour or two hours a day doing that. But uh, I would, I would break my computer yeah. after, after that. So. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. It's, it's kind of, that's, that's like the separation between um, kind of two types of people. There's the, there's the people that can, kind of carry the big vision, the big picture. Um, they like the big relationships. They love the emotion and the culture that comes with dealing with those people. Um, and then they go crazy when they're down in the trenches, uh, you know, either executing on the work or, or taking the work through to completion. Yep. And then you have the opposite people that that's where they love it, man. They, they don't want to think big picture, not, not, and not to their detriment. Like it's not, not, not a, with a negative connotation to it. They just want to do what they're really good at. And maybe that's CAD or maybe it's programming and it's writing code and they love it, you know? Yeah. So it's just finding that, that balance. But I, I, I hear you. We do have to get in the trenches and you do have to uh, execute on things. And, and, and it takes a lot of, it's amazing how much energy something that something that you don't uh, recharge from takes when you have to do it. Hey, you know what I mean? Like you were saying, if you had to work in the trenches and sit at cat all day, it's draining. It's exhausting. It yeah. drives me crazy. Yeah. But then when, but then when you're in those conversations where you're creatively problem solving um, with clients, you're in your, you're in your flow, you're in your moment, you know, 
Yeah. But, uh, and for me, that's my, that's my space. Like that ideation space is, yeah. is huge. And it's funny because it's not that I don't like any of it. I mean, I used to draw oh. a lot. I used to draw a lot as a kid, um, you know, mostly, mostly wildlife and things. Cause I was a zoology major. So I'd go to the zoo and sit and draw, draw rhinoceros and lions and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, like if, if somebody wants like a quick rendering, like I love going into SketchUp and throwing some walls up and throwing some things together or, or putting together, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess a thought starter package that shows like different ways that we could use technology or writing a narrative about yeah. the journey through a space. Like those things I really like. It's just if if it comes to, and and I'm technical enough to know what's possible and and kind of what the main that's right yeah components are that would go together in that way so I can get it to kind of like this basic this basic uh, visual to get a client really on board with hey not only is it a good idea but now I see that it's possible now that I see now I see it's not overly complicated that it could be supported it could be implemented in yeah. my space um, and then at that point. You know, once I get to there, I'm I'm kind of bored with it, honestly. Um, you know, picking out which cables are going to be used yeah. isn't fun for me. You know, so so you know what's uh the the reason I asked about prospecting is because I kind of got I've kind of stepped back into a bit of a sales role and and I've moved to the same direction that you have where you know I'm 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 working more on like the tender side, the cons the consultants, the architect, the uh, interior designer side. And I just, so I've had to start making some calls again. And I had a, I had a really interesting experience yesterday that it just kind of reminded me about the, the different perspectives that are out there. So I'll, I'll lay it out. So, so, so basically there are two projects that I'm looking at. Okay. And um, they're both, they're both uh, public tenders. Right. So, so they're accessible to anybody and they're out there and, and et cetera, et cetera. And the, the thing is with both of them, I was really confused about what state they were actually in. Are, you know, are they pre-bid? Uh -huh. are, they, are they designed already? And we're waiting for the actual like trade contractor tender to come out like the, um, <clears throat> the actual issue for construction kind of tender. And so on one hand I had to call, I called one of the only contacts I could find about this project. And I said, Hey, I introduced myself. I said, Hey, I'm Jerry. I'm calling from XYZ company. And, um, you know, I said, honestly, I'm on this website and I'm trying to understand at what phase this is at. I see it. I see that it was awarded to this, this architect, you know, do you mind if I ask the name of the lead at that firm? that I could contact and speak to. So I'm not just going around in circles at this firm, right? And guy was, uh, th this, this guy that I spoke to was great. He was helpful. He understood what I was after. He, he wasn't like shocked to hear from me. Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Call so-and-so. And I was like, okay, perfect, you know? And just super helpful, right? The other hand, <laughs> I call, I do the same thing with another project, just trying to try and understand where this is at, right? It's probably a project that I'm a little bit behind on. And so I'm trying to say, okay, have you guys already picked your design team? Okay, when, when should we see tender documents come out for the actual build of it? That's really what I'm trying to find out. And so I phone this, I phone another contact. It's the only contact I can find on the project. And um, this person, man, she, she, um, 
I, I, same thing. I introduced myself. I kind of explained why I was calling and she just sounded so alienated that I had called her. And I, it just, it, it was a really weird, it, it kind of was a bit of an awkward conversation because here she is sounding like I'm trying to, you know, get her credit card number and tell her that <laughs> behind in overdue fees or something, you know, that's how, that's how I felt and perceived it anyways. And so um, I, you know, I got the information I, I needed in a roundabout way because she was just very defensive about what I was after, right? And so yeah. anyways, what it made me think about being out of direct sales for, for a while now, yeah. it's, it's crazy the perception, um, you know, the, the perception people have of what I would say are innocent cold calls like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, like I almost wanted to be like, I, I was, you know, I, I, I was polite. I wasn't pushy. I was very clear on who I was and what I was calling for. Um, and you know, I almost wanted to say to this person, like, Hey, you can, you can relax. You know, we're all, we're all here trying to make, we're all here trying to get business. We're all here trying to, trying to sell. Everybody sells something. And I'm, I'm just trying to find out that I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm speaking to the right person, you know? Yeah. Like, just, just relax a bit. But it, uh, it was just a very, so I was going to ask you, um, if you have any experiences where you've cold called someone and it just was the most kind of awkward alienating conversation or that person took it on as if, as if you had just assaulted their entire family. Yeah. So, okay. So I will say I had trial by fire and this is a long time ago, but I had trial by fire on cold calling in 2000 and 2001. And in 2000 and 2001, I worked for a company called direct Alliance corporation. Um, they were, uh, they were, if you bought IBM computers as a small to medium business from IBM.com, uh, Direct Alliance facilitated that. So they were the, you know, if IBM Direct was outsourced to a, almost a distribution type company, right? So I worked for them and my sole job was to um, call small to medium business owners and try to get them to switch from Dell or Gateway, et cetera, to IBM for their personal computers, their laptops and their servers within their business. So I'm calling IT managers who love to get phone calls, by the way, they're very personable. All, <laughs> all IT managers are very outgoing, sure. personable and love talking to strangers on the phone. So I'll just say that uh, in my sarcastic font. I was gonna say, I, 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 feel like, I feel like the sarcasm is not being <laughs> So yeah, it's all in sarcastic font. Um, if you're reading the transcript, no. So I'm calling IT managers, cold calling IT managers to talk to them about their computers. And I'm sure they've got a thousand other things to do that day other than talk to me. Yep. Um, the reason that I bring this up- yeah, is they, my they, have to fix, uh, they have to fix Jan's email. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so my requirement to keep my job, Jared, was to make 65 cold calls a day, every day for two so years. So many calls, so many calls. Right. So, you know, you're making 300 calls a week, you're making 1200 calls a month, you're making, you know, 14,000 calls a year. So in the two years there, I made 25 to 30,000 phone calls, um, mostly to people I had never talked to before to talk about computers sure. and sales. So um, to answer your question, I probably had a hundred of those awkward calls in the first week, right? Like I had, I didn't, and mostly uh, I'll tell you not mostly but 
especially because I came from, I was waiting tables and going to school for zoology and they put me on the phone trying to sell computers to IT managers. So how I got this job in the first place, not being a kid who knew anything about my computer um, was a mystery to me, but they hired me to do this job. Yep. Um, so yes, I have had those calls. And one of the calls that I remember specifically was one of these calls where um, I called into Countrywide Mortgage um, in the early 2000s when, you know, housing was going pretty well. Um, this was before 9-11, yep. before that mini recession we had here in the U.S. when that, ha when that whole event happened. Um, but things were going pretty well and, you know, Countrywide was doing good business and they were in my book. And I, I did my due diligence trying to make sure that nobody else was working on this account. I couldn't find anything in the computer, which was really weird. Um, but IBM has different divisions. And so they had already been working with IBM Large Enterprise. And so when right. I called from IBM, they assumed that I was calling based on something they were already working on and took my call. And then I knew nothing about what Countrywide was buying, what their project was, <laughs> any of the things that were doing. And this gentleman expected me to at least know something about yeah. the fact that they were a customer of ours. Um, so there's nothing worse than cold, I'll tell you, worse than cold calling somebody who isn't a customer is yep. cold calling somebody who is a customer and not knowing how important they are to your business, right? Like, Hey, by the way, I'm with Hillman AV. Yeah. You know, and I'm the owner and I'm just trying to get this info. Well, by the way, Jared, we sent you guys over $2 million in business last year. You don't know who I am. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. so there, I got a, I got a dressing down about not knowing anything about their account, about not knowing who the people were that should be involved and for uh, putting my fingers in the water where they didn't belong. Um, it was a great lesson. So um, <laughs> I'll tell you one of the things yeah. that, uh, you know, just in general that I learned over time um, was, um, you know, there are things that people tell you to try to do in cold calling that I don't think work very well. And I think it's, it's um, you know, one of those things is assume you have a relationship with the person. Um, one of the things is to just, you know, start talking and don't give them a chance to. I had that. Yeah. I had what say I had a guy, I, I had bought, I had bought, get this. So I had bought this is, and we're talking cold calls here. So I had bought a truck um, four years ago. I still have, still, you know, my Dodge Ram, right? And the dealership that I bought it from, every time they get a new sales rep, which I mean, in the, I think in the car dealership world is yearly, they get new bodies. They get a new list of clients to call, which I luckily get to be on that list. Yep. And so um, I've asked to be removed a couple times and every year, sure enough, I get a new rep calling me, hey, how's that truck going? And so anyways, a, a couple months ago, I, got, I had gotten a call and, and the call begins like this. Oh, hey, Jared. I said, oh, uh, hey. Yeah, hey, um, how, how, how's your day going? How's your, week, how's your week been going? And I'm like, I'm thinking, I, I don't recognize the voice. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's been going okay. Who, who is this? Yeah. And he's, oh, yeah, it's, it's so-and-so at XYZ, XYZ dealership. And I said, oh, <laughs> I said right away, I said, oh, Oh, hey, Joe, or whatever the guy's name was. I said, you're new, right? Yep. He goes, yeah, yeah. You know, I just started here and uh, I was just making my way through. And I said, yeah, I, I'm going to stop you there. I already know what you're making your way through. 
I said, and I'm going to tell you right now, every year I get a new call from a new rep asking me if I need a new truck. And guess what? My truck is still running great. I don't need a new truck. I'm good. <laughs> and I said, but you keep on working on that list, buddy. I know you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, yeah. anyway, so he, he tried that with me and I, I really didn't like it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that method at all. Cause I, you know, it's, it's, it seems, uh, backhandish kind of, it seems like, like I said, you know, it, like when I called the two contacts I had to call yesterday, I was just up front. They said, Hey, this is what I'm calling for. I, this is where I'm calling from. This is why I'm calling. You're listed as the contact, you know, I'm sorry if that's wrong, but yeah, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Good old. Yeah. I think, you know, with, with me, the, the one thing, the one thing that really helped me a lot and, uh, something super simple and you may do this, um, too already, but for me, um, for me, I'm sitting there and I'm anytime that somebody answers the phone, the first thing that you should, you should ask is, do you have a minute? Right. So like Bob answers the phone. Hey, Bob, this is, Mark with Tangram, you know, do you have, do you have a couple minutes? Is this a good time to talk? Um, just gives them an easy out without launching into what you want. Cause I think a lot of times we're focused on what we want That's good. Yeah. and we don't, we don't give somebody. And so they're in the middle of something, they're doing something and asking for that permission and letting them choose to either engage or not engage at that point in time is good. And I'll tell you most of the time, um, people will give you the time. Every once in a while, somebody say, I'm just going into call or I'm just going into lunch. Can you call me back later in the afternoon? Sure thing. I'll do that. What time? Three. Perfect. Yeah. I'll call you back yeah. at three. Um, then when you call back, they're expecting you to call, which is even kind of better. And then you can show that your kind of diligence in that piece. But um, I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of times people say, you know what? I don't actually have two minutes, but uh, what do you need? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, to make it yeah. brief, but you've gotten permission yeah. to proceed. And I think honestly, just that basic courtesy really sets people back a little bit. They're like, okay, I'm getting a choice. I'm getting a choice. Yeah. And then, like you said, just being, being very transparent about what you're trying to do. Like, you know, Hey, Jenny, you know, thanks for, thanks for talking to me for a couple minutes. I'm going to tell you, I don't know where to start here. And I'm really looking on your help to coach me because you're part of this organization. I'm not, you guys are working on this That's project. Right. You guys are working on this project for X, Y, Z. And uh, yeah. we're a vendor that does work with those projects. And I'm just trying to get to the right decision maker within your company. I'm not selling. I just need to get some more information based on this, you know, this tender that you guys put out. Who would I get in contact with? I mean, that quick, transparent, like you're helping me. I'm in your good graces. Yeah. If you have time, do you have time to talk about this? Like that methodology always, I mean, typically seems to work every once in a while you're going to get a you're going to get a sticky you know like a squeaky wheel yeah. or you're going to get somebody that's resistant do they just don't want to talk i don't think you can avoid that 100 percent, but i really think giving you know giving them the choice to engage and really putting it in their lap like hey look i'm in you know i'm at a loss i don't know how to navigate your company i just need some help yeah um, the, the other, I, when I've gotten the voicemails, what I've done as well in the past, and I, I continue to do is if I have to, if I cold email, right, or if I leave a voicemail on a cold call, the other thing I'll do sometimes is I'll actually go on LinkedIn uh, and I'll find that person and I'll try to connect with them. And you know how you can add a note when you try to connect with someone? Yeah. In my note, I'll say, hey, uh, this is Jared. I, I called you earlier today and I left a voicemail. 
I just wanted to show you that I was a real person, you yeah. know, and, and, and again, because I think we're so inundated with calls of, you know, that you're behind with your income taxes and I need to get a credit card number or that there have been charges or, you know, I think people are just so used to, and, and in a, you know, globalized economy now, you get calls from all over the world with people that are, you know, 60% of the time completely irrelevant to anything that you need on a daily basis. You know, your car warranty is about to expire, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones we get all the time. Anytime oh, yeah. we see, and they try to, um, and they, they their systems try to mirror uh, your uh, area code. So my wife has an Arizona right. area code. We don't get a lot of calls from Arizona anymore because we now live in California. Right. But she still has her Arizona area code on her cell phone. And so anytime we see, anytime she gets a call from someone that's, you know, not already stored in her phone from Arizona, we know it's the car warranty like company that. because they're trying to spoof a local area code. So she'll think it's like her mom or something. You know, it's, like, yeah. it's such a funny, yeah. it's such a funny thing. I mean, but you're right. I mean, I, I think that's a good method is, is, you know, just to be, to be human, to connect in those ways. I'll tell you too, in leaving voicemail, like I, I'm usually super brief. And the first one, yes. I just tell people what I'm after. I usually don't expect to get a call back. If I'll call back a second time, um, if I get voicemail again, I'll just say, Hey, I left you voicemail before. I know you're super busy. Um, this is what I'm calling about. It, I, you know, if I don't hear back from you, I'll probably call you again next Thursday. Um, and we can talk then, but I'll put that little note in there that like, I will be calling back again. Um, yes. that usually gets me a return call just because they, they want to get it off their plate. You know, they're like, oh, okay, I'll call him back. Cause or, the, or there's an expectation that, yeah. So when you call back the second time, they're like, oh, right. You said you're going to call again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just yeah. that piece of like, okay, they're, they're not just going to go away <laughs> and they're not yeah. a and they're not somebody I need to really tell to go away because they're not, they're not, um, they're not selling me anything. They're not trying to provide a service I'm not interested in. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, it would be professional courtesy for me to give them a call back and either tell them I'm not the right person or give them the, the link to the information they need, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I just find just putting that little bug in there like, hey, you're super busy. I get it. I'm just going to be proactive. I need to get this information. So I'll probably call you again if I don't hear from you, you know, in the next couple of days. Um, all of a sudden, it seems like yeah, so, an hour. So what are we saying here? <laughs> we're, we're, we're saying, we're saying, we're saying when you're going in on a cold call, um, we're saying, um, first of all, be, be aware. So be aware that they, they, you might be calling them when they're literally walking into a meeting there yep. and people working from home, maybe they're trying to put their kid to bed now for all, you know. Um, so you're saying, ask, ask if they have the time. We're saying, uh, be, be sincere and transparent. Hey, this is, this is why I'm calling. This is how I got your information. Um, and then we're saying, uh, basically set the expectations of, you know, I'm, I'm going to call you back or, Hey, I'm, I'm just trying to do this. If you can help me find that. Um, and I think you had another one in there is kind of be gracious, right? Like, you know, I, I appreciate your help pointing me in the right direction, which yeah. goes with the sincerity part, but yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big thing. I mean, honestly, um, a lot of people and a lot of companies, a lot of companies that do sales, um, you know, I, I, I did this in my, in my pot. I have another podcast that I do some selling, some selling tips and tricks here and there. And I did one on, on cold calls, but I said, I think setting somebody up, you know, a lot of companies, they teach their salesperson that like that person that answers the phone is the gatekeeper. 
and your job is to get past yeah. the gatekeeper. It's like a video game, right? It's like level one boss is the gatekeeper and I need to find a way to defeat the gatekeeper to get to level two, right? And yep. um, I think, <clears> you know, we really have to like reframe that like in Ghostbusters terms, this is not the gatekeeper. They are the key master, right? Like this person has the keys and the knowledge to get you to where you need to go. They're not somebody to be defeated. They're somebody to make an ally out of and not somebody to, you know, to yeah, best. They're, they're almost more like a, like a filter. I would yeah. call them a filter. They're, they're going to make sure that only the good stuff gets through. So if you're yeah. not the good stuff and, and I have, I, I guess at our office, I have what you call a gatekeeper because I get, you know, I, I get the traditional call, um, you know, two times a day. Hey, yeah. I'm looking for the person. I'm. I'd like to speak to the owner. Yeah. Okay. What What's his email? You know, like LinkedIn does. Yeah. Where you want to add someone, and they're like, if they're like, uh, provide this person's email, and you can add them as a connection. It's like, oh, you don't know their email. Oh. <laughs> well, then no, you can't. You can't just add them. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's almost like that person in the front. They're, they're more of just a filter, right? They They just. Because because you do need those people because you do have and so when you're calling you're right they're not a gatekeeper they're look this person's going to point you in the right direction they're going to make sure that whatever you're doing is is worthy and it is relevant and there's a there's a purpose behind it that you're not going to accost the owner or the executive behind them you know <clears throat> so yeah no I mean but so I, think, yeah. I think I think Sue I think too just how many how many people that call or walk in the door treat that person with the same level of respect dignity and kind of like you know uh, kindness that they would if the owner had opened yeah. the door for them that's right right and so you know you're you're dealing with folks that some people see i mean unfortunately people you know some salespeople see the the administrative assistant or the receptionist or they see them as below them somehow you know yeah. in in a in role and they treat them that way well, they which see is them as an obstacle yeah yes yeah and that's what i said i think we really have to reframe that you really have to reframe that and say this the person that answers the phone is my key to this organization and yeah. so is my best chance of getting them to help me to treat them like they owe me something or is it to defer to them and say, hey, look, I'm in your good graces here. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do X, Y, or Z. You know, and I know, I know people that used to cold call. It's funny who used to cold call in person. Who the first thing they did when they came in was um, say they were the, they was uh, ask who took care of their copy machines. Yeah, because right? everybody's had the copier salesman come in the front of the office and yeah. want to know who takes care of your like. Not the copier salesman are bad, but they've always had that cold call like who takes care of your copiers. Um, yeah. He used to go in and, and ask. The first question he'd ask is, "Hey, um, who takes care of your copiers here?" And they, their eyes would start to roll, and he'd go, "I'm just kidding. I'm Bob with so and so." And he's there for nothing about copiers, but it really just kind of like was this yeah. cool, funny little icebreaker. Great like, I'm, eyes. I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't need to know who makes your copiers. I'm just trying to do this instead, and yeah. uh, it it worked out. So. Well, cool, man. Well, I mean, good luck in your business development in the year. Sounds like we're in the same spot where we're, you know, we've, we've put goals out to the team. We've yep. had some, we've had some good, you know, energy around what we want to do this year. And now we're out there uh, in the trenches, trying to, trying to work alongside everybody and make things happen. So 
you know, good luck with that. Hopefully, hopefully my experience has helped a little bit with, for people. It'll be a good experience. It's good. It's good for me to get back out there. So cool. Awesome, man. Well, Hey everybody, it's coming up on time. I don't want to, I don't want to take your whole Wednesday, but thanks for joining us for daybreak. We appreciate you. Um, you know, throw a comment in uh in the linkedin post that you found this on or somewhere let us know what you want to you know maybe advice you want etc use us uh use social media as a way to crowdsource some information we love to see who's out there listening and uh we thank you very much so join us next week and we'll see you then